Hey everyone, this is the Church of LSP. I'm your host, Samit Patel. This episode is a bit different than the other episodes we've done so far. I had an amazing discussion with our guest, Mr. Sam Courtney, and it ran really long compared to the previous episodes. So rather than split up the conversation into two separate episodes, I've decided to just cut the summary and my own interpretation that I usually do and just jump straight into the dialogue that we had. If you've ever listened to The Tim Ferriss Show, a podcast that's a personal favorite of mine, It's very much akin to that. Sam and I talk about many different things, including but not limited to addiction, life goals, self-improvement, relationships, and much more. While we start off talking about Adventure Time, we just start to gravitate towards these topics that organically came out of our conversation. And rather than force Sam to talk about the show itself, we ended up just having what I think was an amazing conversation that a lot of you will not only find interesting, but also applicable to your own life. With all that being said, let's go ahead and dive right in. Adventure awaits! I don't see any adventures going on anywhere. I think we're good to just sit here for a while and just talk about our feelings. Hey everyone, I'm here with my friend Sam Courtenay, and we just finished watching the episode together, and uh, I'll let him introduce him, uh, like I've been letting everybody else introduce themselves, so take it away. Hey, Sam Courtney here, and you said my last name right, actually. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> so, I guess I'm a swamp boy from South Georgia, like, on the border with Florida, living in Atlanta now, 24 years young. Yeah, just having fun in the big, the big peach, I guess. Yeah, and uh, how much of Adventure Time have you seen? I've seen all of season one, I think. And I think maybe the first episode of season two, but that's about it. Okay, cool. So you're, like, the first guest I've had on here who hasn't seen, like, basically everything. Yeah, exactly. So so this is going to be good to get, like, a a newcomer's perspective on this episode. So, um, like I said, we just watched it. This episode is centered around the introduction of a character called Tree Trunks, who is this tiny green elephant. You know, she, to me, she comes off as very much like an old lady. Definitely. But that's also contrasted with... I mean, what I what I perceive as very promiscuous, oh, uh, God. you know. So we see in the episode uh, she like she's old and bakes apple pies, but then she also tries to seduce this monster. Um, yeah, what were just like your initial thoughts uh, watching the episode? Oh yeah, definitely a sweet old lady at first, <laughs> but she has that uh, that temptress sinner side on the other on the other half. <laughs> I don't know, it was a very interesting, gosh, I don't even want to say dichotomy, that's such a, like a, mm-hmm. such a lame word to use, but definitely surprising, and I was definitely not attracted to her. <laughs> I mean, you weren't uh, swayed by her womanly charms, <laughs> as she put it? <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I guess let's start from the beginning, um, you know, they're, Finn and Jake are just out there fighting, or playing with their swords, you know, she brings them in for an apple pie. They start discussing um, just, you know, what they would do if they could do anything. And that leads them onto this quest of the uh, of that apple pie, or of the of this apple, the, this magical, amazing apple. And so, you know, they go on this journey, and Tree Trunks isn't doing well. <laughs> Finn constantly tells her, you know, you're, you're good, you're an adventurer, so-and-so. And she buys it. She thinks she's a great adventurer. 
And I guess just as a disclaimer, I hate tree trunks. Uh, really? What do you hate about tree trunks? She's like one of my least favorite characters because, as you see in this episode, she's like pretty oblivious to whatever's yes. going on. Yeah. You know, Finn like protects her delicate ego and she like never learns. She always remains like that. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, on one hand, it's like, okay, you can't like really blame people for being inept. But the reason I don't like her is even though she is inept, she also has, like, no remorse uh, for being inept. It's, like, one thing if you're bad at something and you're, like, aware of it or at least you're, like, sorry about it. But she doesn't seem that way ever, <laughs> you know? What if she's so stupid she doesn't know? I mean, well, so I guess she probably does that's a good argument. Bit. But at the same time, Finn told her. And then she, like, played the victim, right? Uh, Finn that's was like, true. you know, you're not an adventurer. You know, you almost got us killed. Like, we just don't want you to die. And, you know, and she's just like, oh, you shouldn't yell at cute like, old ladies are just trying to help, basically. And it's just like, eh, I mean, that's why I don't like her. I mean, so, it's not, it's just, you know, being bad at something is totally okay. But at least be willing to, like, hear why you're bad, right? Definitely. So that's why I don't like her. What do you think about Tree Tricks? Uh, yeah, I guess when you put it that way, she is a little bit frustrating. And it, especially when you think about people that you know personally that are, like, yeah, I, I don't know if I'd call her defensive, Maybe a little bit. I would she, definitely call her defensive. Yeah, defensive. And are, then, you, uh, are you thinking of, like, anybody? Like, oh you don't have to name them, but... Uh, yeah, maybe I, I, like a I cool can think story. of a couple... I can think of uh, one person that I work for, actually, that she uh-huh. is awful because she's in, you know, a couple levels above me and manages all our work product, but she is just so defensive. And right. we can't discuss why she's, like... She creates, like, a toxic work environment because she's too defensive. You can't go over her head because she'll crap all over you, so. Yeah, and that's, like, one of the worst positions to be in, I think, because they're in a position of power and you're not. Yep. And you want to, like, give them feedback, but that also means you're the one giving the feedback. Mm -hmm. And so they have uh, the power over you to, like, make your life kind of hell, right? Exactly. So, yeah, like, I have a person in mind as well when this was airing and I was just like, Oh man, like it's it's so frustrating. Um, she's uh, she's actually like one of my ex girlfriends from college. And, no way. Yeah, and she would <laughs> she would always play the victim, and any little thing could like set her off. And how long it, did that last? Uh, a couple months, um, on and off. I don't know. I mean, it, it's a uh, so like I'm just gonna say what Tree Trunk says. Like you know, she gets away with it because she's cute. Like, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it's just like I can forgive that over and over. But then at some point, it's just like. I'm just going to crack like Finn did, you know? And, yeah. uh, you know, then it just all blows up in your face. But even still, like, Finn ended up apologizing. And, uh, you know, she, once again, she didn't learn a lesson. So mm-hmm. <laughs> um, hopefully, uh, you know, that uh, ex-girlfriend of mine, she did grow at least as a person and is willing to take uh, some more, you know, negative feedback about herself. That's the tricky thing is, you know, like, it's hard if you're enabling it all, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because... That's kind of what they were doing a little bit is uh, protecting her like when um, Finn wrapped around her in a ball mm-hmm. and was like giving her the best hug ever or whatever yeah, and getting yeah. the crap kicked out of him. <laughs> so enabling her to think she was being an adventurer and helpful when she really wasn't. Yeah. And uh, I think that was also exacerbated later on when they had to fight um, the Crystal Guardian. Yeah. They had to fight it the way Tree Trunks would fight it, right? So then it's almost like, oh, the way you do things is totally valid and correct because it worked that one time yeah. and uh and i tend to find like those people they will always latch onto that one time their way worked and they'll completely ignore uh the you know 99 other times that it didn't 
Right. Um, so then, you know, like it, it keeps creating that barrier of kind of just letting this person stagnate and they're never like forced to grow and be better, which is something I like constantly try to do. Um, yeah, to, same yeah. here. So yeah, um, this episode also confirmed, I think for the first time, Finn is 12. <laughs> oh yeah that's right yeah Finn's 12 he can handle it yeah yeah Jake's like yeah he'll be fine he's 12 um, so that was, that was funny did you have like a favorite moment in this episode hmm I'm trying to think if I really had a favorite moment you really did like those uh those like badass like, oh butterflies. yeah those butterflies are so cool so the one reason why I thought they were so cool is if you look around my apartment which is where we're sitting right now oh yeah I have all sorts of insects on the walls that and is stuff. cool um I'm really into and there's some in like the bathroom hallway too but uh-huh. I'm really into like weird biology. So all that animal planet, normal like giraffes and whales, not my thing. Right. But when it comes to things that are a little more alien compared to like a mammal, yeah, that's what I find really interesting. So even though they weren't real in the least, those skeleton butterfly things were super cool to me. Yeah. I'm thinking of that, um, like that fungus or something that like makes like ants. Cordyceps. Or, yeah. They yeah, make them zombie zombies or something. Yeah. Yep. That's super cool to me. So yeah, that's, that's neat. Uh, I think my favorite moment was when, I think Finn, no, not Finn, yeah, is it, Finn's asking Jake, like, uh, what should we do at Tree Trunks or something, and he's like, it's fine, and then, like, it, oh, he keeps it's, asking, it's, it's still fine, it's still fine, and he's just like, it's fine. <laughs> um, I think I remember one of my uh, my college buddies, he would, like, say that, and that might have been where it came from. He would always just be like, it's fine, and, like, start, like you know, doing his arms like uh, Jake was doing. So, uh, that was, like, a, a good memory from college that I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess the biggest theme in this one is uh, what we've kind of been discussing is like these sort of people who don't want to grow and they don't know any better and I guess uh, sexuality at, at some point, at some level too, because like Tree Trunk, she fights, you know, with her, with her womanly uh, charm. Oh God. Oh. <laughs> and uh, on one hand, I can sort of like commend her for that. Like she's very... Um, resourceful? T- she's, well, she's resourceful. And she's also very much in touch with her sexuality, right? And, uh, oh, God. I don't even want to think about that, but it's true. It's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, like, you, know, you have to keep in mind, this was released in 2009, right? Yeah. So, like, we've done a lot of progress since then mm-hmm. with regards to, like, gender and sexuality. Like, you know, we had the the equal, the equal marriage. Is that what it's called? The equal rights or whatever. For, yeah. The Marriage Equality Act. Is like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So, like, that just happened to 2015, right? Yeah. So, this coming out in 2009, uh, I was, you know graduating high school, going into college, and this oh, is, yeah. like, uh, stuff that was nowhere even near my mind at the time. Um, so <laughs> Maybe a little bit? I mean, uh, not, like, sorry, you mean, that sexuality was around my mind, obviously, <laughs> but, uh, but being comfortable with, uh, like, other types of sexuality, like, promiscuous old women, uh, uh, we're still, Yeah, that's like, <laughs> true, that's a good point, yeah. yeah. So, you know, like, being more accepting of different ages and different genders and different races just being comfortable with themselves that was something that's made a lot of headway i would say yeah yeah definitely so well what about with you personally is it making headway like thinking about how much action your grandma's getting (laughs) so this is a kind of funny um oh god like my my sister uh she was talking to my mom um about I guess, you know, things like this. And at some point, my mom, I mean, she like, my, my sister basically asked my mom was like, how many times, a, like, do you have sex in a month or something? And oh, no. my mom just said it. And I just laughed. Well, what was like, the answer? Oh, I uh, guess you can't really say if you've got family listening, huh? I mean, they don't listen. I don't, I don't really care. Like, I'm pretty open about it. Um, but like, this doesn't cringe me. Like, my mom was like, yeah, about once a week or so. And I was like, that's good. I'm glad. Like, my parents are 
uh, in their 40s and 50s. So I'm glad they're like, you know, still staying healthy. Staying having healthy. Fun. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's like, uh, what, at least 20 years of marriage, right? If not more. Yeah, yeah. I think they're closer to 25, if not even more than that. Maybe 28 or something. So yeah, it's like, that's great that they're like good, happy people. Uh, but on the other hand, I my, my sister's reaction was like, come on, mom, that's so gross. Like, don't say stuff like that. But <sighs> I don't know. I've, I've just come to accept it. Like, I mean, I got here somehow, right? So, yeah. yeah. And the thing is, like, as much as it's uncomfortable to think about it, it's like, you know, that's part of a healthy relationship is that sexual yeah. component. So if you don't, like, if your parents didn't have that, then, you know, you might wonder how healthy the relationship is. Or maybe they're totally okay yeah. with it. I mean, yeah, if they're both okay with it, that's fine too, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, if you haven't discussed that with your significant other um, and one of you, you know, wants to have sex more often than the other, that leads to problems. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I think I'm, I guess I'm a little bit more mature than my sister in that aspect, even though she's only a year younger than me. So, yeah. What else? I think the the ending uh, warrants uh, some comment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, she eats the apple and then just explodes. And... Depending on which version you're watching, there were two different endings. But the original air was, was she would eat the apple and then just explode and then just cut to black. And that was it. Super morbid uh, for a kid's TV show. And, uh, you know, the network or whoever, the executives were just like, hey, uh, you know, we need this to be a little bit more lighthearted. So the episode that's like floating around mostly everywhere else now, you probably didn't see that one. You probably saw the one where at the end, Tree Trunks is like walking through this crystal land or something and uh so she's okay and that isn't revealed this is like an event this is very much an, an early adventure time thing where they just leave on a cliffhanger and uh we talked a little bit about this before we started recording and you were like mm. what well, i've never understood you said i don't yeah understand i've never understood that ending yeah and uh as i was like, sort of explaining these are just kind of sort of minor spoilers um because she shrinks isn't dead uh <laughs> so uh, as much as uh, i would like that <laughs> um she reappears in season two and so we're in episode four of season one and so they reveal about you know a couple of months or a year later whenever it aired um that she's fine and there's a whole episode centered around that um and that's all i'll say about it right now but um you know definitely a, a wacky ending i mean that's what they do right now they're they're very fond of their cliffhanger sort of ending nonsensical too i mean i imagine that'd be it's just it's a little bit frustrating just kind of ends like they, they go through all this work and then she's gone yeah totally and like you know the next episode doesn't has nothing to do with uh, this episode and so you're just like kind of left wondering like what's happening here which i think uh added to adventure times like initial quirkiness you know yeah so um what else anything that's like, what that was running through your mind while you were watching? So, all right, I took some notes, you know, just because I'm cool like that. <laughs> and I was trying to think of, like, good talking points. So, like, when we were at the very beginning of the episode, Tree Trunks was, like, you know, boys and their swords. And then Tree Trunks right. was out there baking a pie and being all uh, homesteady. Yeah. So I was thinking of, okay, well, there's something, like, gender stereotypes. Right, very uh, gender normative there, right? Which is also kind of interesting because towards the end of the episode, you see the exact opposite where uh, oh. Finn and Jake are cross-dressing, basically. They're yeah. trying womanly charms as as That's a, a good tree point. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah, they have like, <laughs> makeup on and everything. Yeah. That's really uh, cool. Yeah, I'm glad you picked up on that. I was going to, as you were saying that, I was thinking about how, uh, you know, Tree Trunks is like this old woman who seems like to conform to gender uh, stereotypes and then 
you know, she becomes more and more promiscuous as the uh, the episode goes on. But that's a good catch. Yeah, that's cool. So I would say that the, the kind of undercurrent there is kind of like, you know, and honestly, you probably see a little bit in earlier cartoon cartoons as well, like uh, SpongeBob, where yeah. there's it's okay to have a little bit of flexibility in mm-hmm. uh, in your gender that isn't wrong. Right. Like, you know, not necessarily saying it's, it's a whole Kinsey scale thing going on, just saying, like, you know, it's... What it's, is uh, the Kinsey scale? Kinsey scale is where uh, it dis- it's a level from zero, I think, I might have it backwards. I think zero is pure heterosexuality. Oh, okay. And six is pure homosexuality, mm-hmm. and you're pure bisexual in the middle. But if you if you thought about it a little bit, then you're like a one... Okay. Or like if you're like if you're a five, you're like you pretty much prefer homosexual partners, but uh-huh. you've been known to dabble in the hetero. So okay, I didn't so, realize that's cool. Yeah. yeah, but um, so I think they were just showing like there's nothing shameful about you know exploring those other areas. Like you, you can do that, and it's not going to discredit your original stance or your your original leanings. I think. Yeah, and uh, I think that's definitely something that a lot of people. Well, I guess uh, I grew up in like suburban Georgia and so seeing anybody who was like not heteronormative was mm-hmm. like a big deal oh um, yeah oh yeah yeah I remember like in middle school and high school like there were rumors flying around like you know oh this so-and-so is gay and etc cetera, etc cetera. and I mean I was kind of like just like who cares but a lot of people you know weren't <laughs> um just because you know they come from the south and oh, yeah. uh, if you're not in Atlanta I would you know say that you're probably uh in a little bit of a less, as, as the best way to phrase this, just like you're not as accepting of uh, different lifestyles. Yeah. Well, um, wait, did you grow up in a small town? Yeah, yeah. I grew up in a small town. So uh, my school was like 60% black, 40% white, and then me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so yeah, very much just like traditional Southern uh, school. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can, I remember there were three people in the entirety of our school that we knew had like actually come out. Uh-huh. And there were so many people that for even, even when they were in college, they came out after college. So we had suspected, but it was just like such a taboo thing to even talk about, like the idea of homosexuality. Right. So yeah, definitely a small town mindset, yeah. small town, South Georgia. Yeah. And then like, you know, now we're, uh, now we're here where uh, marriage equality act is passed, which is cool. <laughs> so, um, you know, in our lifetime, we basically just like, you know, checked it off the list of, uh, of, of equality. Right. Yeah. Um, I could actually remember thinking. A couple of years back like what's the what's the one thing that our generation is going to be like known for mm-hmm. like the previous generation you know they uh quote unquote solved the race issue um still an ongoing battle, yeah but, uh, <laughs> but you know i was thinking like okay maybe our generation will solve the uh, the gender issue and then you know i'm not i'm like only 25 and we already did it <laughs> yeah so it's like oh okay i guess uh, we gotta do some other things now too well so then the next step i guess would be with um i think like uh probably I'm probably using the wrong term here, but like trans rights and those, yeah. not, maybe not right. I've heard that's been um, on the like rise. So I, I didn't know that. I thought that was sort of included with um, just gender equality, but apparently um, it's like its own separate issue because... Um, yeah, just still, I think a lot of heavy discrimination and misunderstanding. Yeah. And like it's labeled, and I, I have no insight into this, but it's labeled as like a, uh, like almost a mental like illness sort of thing like a gender mm-hmm. um is it gender dysphoria dysphoria that sounds right yeah or maybe dysmorphia <laughs> dysmorphia something like that i've heard like body <laughs> body dysmorphia or something I'm like so, that. so yeah. ignorant right now but um 
Yeah, just where they their gender is at a mismatch from their their physical body, and yeah. so where that's an interesting debate, seeing whether or not because I have a lot of friends actually, I have like four or five friends that are um, trans are going through the process. Oh, okay. So I have a lot of I guess personal experience on both sides where I've seen people rail against them, and then I've seen them as just great, wonderful people uh-huh. that. You know, and they really match their bodies too when they make the transition. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah I don't have any uh, friends who are trans, um, which is, I guess, I mean, I don't want to say it's like unfortunate, but like it's just, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I guess because that then it just sounds like, oh man, I, it'd be cool to have a trans friend. <laughs> I, you know, I don't want to be like sounded sensitive, but uh, right. but at the same time, like it would be really interesting to like be able to talk to someone I'm close with and going through that process just because. I just find like the human mind and body like really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, having like a firsthand account of that would be like really just cool from like a, like a scientific perspective, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, that does sound insensitive. Yeah. Uh, what else did you uh, pick up on this? I think this is a pretty lame point, but when they were throwing away that pie at the beginning, uh-huh. I was like, Oh no, that like that, there's nothing wrong with that pie. Mm-hmm. And it was making me think about, I think in France, I want to say recently, that they passed some law that um, makes it illegal to throw away your like the leftovers. Yeah, right. I heard about that. So instead, you have to donate it. And uh, I wish that's something that we could do here in the states. And it's not like we can't, but I think we're we're a little uh, a little sue happy. So it you know mm-hmm. if you have food that's spoiled at all or that sort of thing, or it can get kind of tricky. But so that that was just another thing I was thinking of. So uh, how do you handle pizza? So you order your pizza, you have it for dinner, what do you do with it? Do you leave it out or do you put it in the fridge? Oh, I definitely put it in the fridge as soon as I can. As soon as you can. Well, for two reasons. One, cold pizza is the best pizza. Okay, I'm going to violently disagree with you right (laughs) here, but make your second point. (laughs) And uh, two, I don't want anything growing on that pizza. Okay, okay. So I'm the exact opposite here. Uh, I prefer hot or room temperature pizza. I think, room, I think room temperature pizza is pretty freaking good. That's horrifying. <laughs> and then uh, I'm also of the mindset where, so I'll order pizza for dinner, and then I'll just leave it out overnight and have it for lunch. Don't put, it in the Don't put it in the fridge or anything. I think uh, there's like a huge sort of like scare against germs. and Because uh, yeah. growing up, I was like super interested in biology and all that stuff. So I would hear a lot about us creating or humanity creating super germs yep and so uh you know growing up with a mother who like made us clean our room and vacuum the house and our bathrooms every sunday like (laughs) you know i come of a very like neat family and then are you neat now i'm still pretty neat as far as guys go i think i'm pretty neat um you know to stereotype a little bit about guys so i when I was living uh in my apartment i would generally clean my bathroom every three weeks and um, I mean, I kind of like let my room a little bit go, but at the same time, it's like, I don't, I like just trying not to make a mess in the first place, I guess. Yeah. So, uh, I do like preventative cleaning, I guess. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I would clean my bathroom every three weeks, um, instead of the week that I was doing when I was forced to growing up, um, which I think is actually like a lot more often than most people. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, for sure, dude. Yeah. I mean. So I'm generally pretty neat, uh, and so like it kind of makes it hard to find like roommates who are also that same level of cleanliness. Shout out to my friend and best friend, uh, Daniel, who I'm actually going to see after this. Um, <laughs> like, you know, we had the, like the best, like kind of living situation, both kind of similar neat level, neat tidiness levels. 
And I think that's actually like maybe one of the most important factors in a roommate situation. Absolutely. It's not the most. <laughs> so, all right, a little bit of, we'll stay on this tangent here for a minute. So have you ever had a roommate that would not clean? Like you leave the sink full of dishes, just mess everywhere. Um, sort of in college, like, but I was in a six person room. So oh it's gosh. kind of impossible to not have somebody like that with between yeah. six people. Yeah. Never in a two person situation. And I can only, I can't remember if I had it in a four person situation either. Hmm. But, uh, but yeah, cause like, I like thinking back on my roommate situations, I've been like super lucky. Yeah. Like I've had almost no bad experiences. I've almost always roomed with friends or people who've become my best friends. And I and I hear these horror stories all the time. And I'm just like, is this not the norm? <laughs> like to have a so have you only people? roomed with friends? No, um, randos. Early in my college, I was doing random. And I that started, still turned out well. Yeah, first semester of college did random. I also did like a early semester, mm. and um, and then that, that starting semester in fall, uh, when I had like a true first year, I was in four person with some of the guys. Actually, all the guys from uh, my summer semester. And so that one was probably the messiest situation yeah. and it, besides the six-person room. Um, but even my six-person room was like, honestly, for, for six people, it was pretty good. Four people, much messier in terms of, uh, I guess, percentage. I don't know how to best describe it, but, you know. Um, after that, uh, since it didn't work out so well, more random people. And it was okay. Like, it was just like, I mean, I went to Georgia Tech. It's just kind of nerds, and we were just like kind of just on our own side or like if we had messes we'd keep it on our own side or in our own rooms yeah yeah uh, i'm totally okay with you being messy if you keep it contained um, yeah to your keep the common area clean yeah all the common areas should be clean um and like my general rule is like if you make something please just do the dishes like immediately or within 24 hours Oof, and just do your tricky. dishes and like me and daniel like it was we had a good understanding it's like you know sometimes we wouldn't get to the dishes and he'd pick it up and then likewise if he didn't want to do it like i'd pick it up for him Super good. That yeah. Now that is a good roommate. Yeah, yeah. So we have each other's backs, and we wouldn't make a big deal out of it. And there was never any like passive aggressive notes or anything. Speaking of passive aggressive, <laughs> what do you think about this technique? Let's say you're in a two person living situation, mm-hmm. and I'm referencing something real, by the way. Oh, okay. And I have okay. suggested this as a last resort. So you've got the sink is just full of dishes. Place reeks. So what I have told this individual in this situation is. If you aren't going to confront them, then you should get two of everything, like two forks, two spoons, two bowls, uh-huh. and just hand wash everything and let them just wallow in their own filth. How does how do you what what are your thoughts on this measure? So, I'm like that's like definitely something I would try because <laughs> it makes sense because like you want to like punish them for like not picking up their end of the slack, right? Yeah. But at the same time, you're also punished because you still have like mostly dirty dishes. That's true, right? So yeah, I, I don't think there's any real way around that besides just, you know, confronting them head on and just like, hey, the dishes suck. I mean, we're not cleaning them. We need to create a system that we're both actually going to follow because nobody wants to be just like in a system they don't agree with. I think that's like part of the problem is like one person's like, oh, we should just do our own dishes. One person's just like, let's just use dishwasher, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So you need to like... Talk about the different ways you kind of want to handle it. And then you need to, like, think of a system that you're actually both going to adhere to at least, like, 90% of the time, right? And then, like, when the when you see, like, it's starting to get a mess again, like, you got to just kind of, like, be the better person and, like, not, uh, you know, let it go to shit because... Uh... Oh, man, that's, that's <laughs> so hard for me. I'm, I try to be a pretty understanding guy, but when things get messy, 
it's really hard for me to step up and be the dude that cleans all the time. Yeah. Because it's almost it's going all the way back. It's almost like you're enabling them. Yeah, yeah, and I agree with that. It, I mean, if and if you're constantly the one picking up the slack, then yeah, there's a problem. But it's also a little bit of like making sure they know that you've picked up the slack, so they kind of feel a little bit guilty and obligated to pick up the slack next time. If they're a decent person. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you know, so like uh, whenever it's like me and Daniel, we kind of like let the other person know, like, hey, you know, uh, I saw that like there were a bunch of dishes in the dishwasher. Or the sink, rather, and I, I did them. And I was like, and then, you know, I just respond like, hey, thanks, man. Like, I'll get it next time. So it's just, like, little things like that. And so, and then you, you, know, you just make sure you get it next time. And uh, it and leads to a good rapport. <laughs> another thing, or I guess uh, to wrap this bit up. So my brother, he, he went the nuclear option. Mm-hmm. And uh, when his roommate wouldn't clean it, he took all the dirty dishes, like, put them on, a like, a, like a bathroom towel, and just flung him into his uh, roommate's bedroom, like oh, all the sheets and stuff. <laughs> oh god! So he said, "All right, you're gonna clean the fucking dishes next time." And he <laughs> did, and he did. Yeah, sometimes people just need that wake up call. <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm not saying that's like my first approach, but as a last resort, I I could be tempted to do something like that. So, especially if it's like repeated offenses over and over and over. So speaking of wake up calls, let's get real here. Okay. Have you had a wake up call, a serious wake up call in your life? Um, at any point. Hmm. Just like anything. Yeah. Anything. (sighs) Honestly, I think I just had one, uh, like last week. Really? Uh, yeah. And I don't know if I want to go super into it because it's, I'm not totally sure of how the details went, but me and a friend had a huge fight. And, uh, and it was, a, I mean, it was a big misunderstanding and we've already like yeah. you know, worked things out since then. Yeah. But at the time I was like, oh my God, like, you know, I'm losing all my friends. Cause I also had a huge fight with my sister, like not even six days before that. And so I'm just like, why am I losing? Like everybody who's like close to me, like, um, you know, what, is there something like wrong with me? Like, you know, I was like super like in an analytical mode, like, yep. do I need to change my oh, behavior? Yeah. Like, why is this all happening at, at once, basically, you know? And, uh, but, like, like, like I said, it turned out to be a huge misunderstanding. We've made up since then, and, um, you know, I, we've moved on. But it was very much like a, oh, my God, I need to get, like, my shit together. Otherwise, yeah. I'm just going to, like, lose everybody. <laughs> yep. So, have you had anything like that? Yeah, actually. I was thinking while you are talking, I'm sure I've had more than more than a couple, but... Because I'm always, uh, I'm always on the lookout for ways that I can improve myself, uh-huh. and I'm always very. I there are definitely times where I pick up on where I'm not socially like meshing with people, but it's always sometimes not always, but sometimes kind of hard to figure out why. Uh-huh. And so the one wake up call I was thinking of was where, um, so in my early relationships, like mm-hmm. when I was dating people, I was always I thought I was big on communication, but. Uh-huh. I realized that instead of really, I wasn't communicating effectively because I would get upset about something, something very minor. I was a very judgmental person okay. before, <laughs> probably like going into the middle of college, I was very, I was just totally different person. And, um, I think everybody is, but yeah, yeah for on. real <laughs> college is very transformational. Very and, nice. um, so I would give them like the cold shoulder and like, I was totally expecting them to come to me and ask what was wrong. And right. ask like what was bothering me because I didn't I didn't want to cause a like a big splash or you know mess with the relationship. But then I realized that the same thing was happening with every relationship where 
we wouldn't get in fights, but it would start to deteriorate because I would just totally shut them out. Yeah. And then the wake up call was when um, I was dating this girl for a long time in college. And then she was like, you know, we, we had kind of the same thing going on. We were talking on the phone. I wasn't saying anything. She called me back and she's like, you know what? I don't, I really don't like this and I don't think it's healthy. I think you should talk to me about your stuff more often. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, you know what? That might solve, that oh, might solve all my problems. Is that, actually that's talk. an option. Uh, and yeah. so now I think I err on the side of talking too much, but I'd much rather over communicate and yes. make sure there's, there's no misunderstanding. And the other thing that I realized is there's this old saying that never attribute to malice what can be contributed to yes, stupidity. Yes, I just actually came across that a few weeks ago. Really? And uh, I, I, I mostly agree with that. And then like I made my own addendum, which was like uh, not just stupidity, but maybe just pure oversight or, yeah. or just busyness. Because yeah. people just like forget things. You know, they're human. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I love that. And that really just like made me think about how to just approach people in relationships and in general. Right. Um, yeah. That, I, yeah. It's so maybe like, not stupidity, but just like, don't attribute things to malice. Cause I, it I basically yeah. give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Um, and I think that's such a good like outlook, uh, on basically life. Uh, I have a, a lot of people who I've known throughout the years who are super negative of everything. And I'm just like, how does that come to your mind? Like, why is that the first thing that comes to your mind? And I mean, I get it, it's a little bit of human nature where we're sort of wired to avoid, uh, pain more than we are to appreciate pleasure. Yep. So, because like, uh, what what is it? I think uh, the loss from like $10 is more impactful to your psyche than the potential gain of 100 or something. Really? It's a huge like mismatch. Uh, maybe those aren't the exact like, you know, ratios. Yeah. Whatever, but you're so much more geared towards avoiding pain versus appreciating whatever. And uh, so we're sort of like, you know, geared to like do that. And so it sort of makes sense because you also kind of tend to remember the bad things that happen in your life versus the good things. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, while you're talking about this, I was actually thinking of a better transformative experience. And uh, that was last year when I tried LSD for the first time. Oh. And that, compl- that was like definitely a transform- transformative experience. Um, like it totally changed the way I kind of looked at my entire life, how I... I felt like I'd been like lied to my entire life. Uh, really? Sense. About what? About kind of everything, like the the path to happiness, um, and like what I'm supposed to do and what I should be doing, and mm-hmm. um, because I, you know, from my from my birth, I was basically drilled like, you know, get a good education so you can go to college, and then you can get a good job, and then you can get married and have a wife and have kids, and uh, you know, then retire and like you know die, <laughs> and like that's the general mostly accepted path to success, right? But, you know, once I, like, I don't know if it was the drug or, like, just thinking about this. Maybe it facilitated this these thoughts more appropriately. But, you know, now I'm just, like, the only measure of success that I hold myself to now is am I a better person than I was a year ago? Oh, man. So, You're after my own heart. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So I've stopped sort of, like, looking at other people's successes. And that sort of lets me... Uh, celebrate their successes more because I would sort of be a little bit more jealous before. Oh, yeah. like, oh why am I not doing as well as so and so at 26 or 25? Like, or even like the you know you see celebrities now. We're at that age where celebrities can be younger than you, and oh, like, God. and you feel like so terrible because like, what am I doing with my life? Yeah, you know? they're, they're like 22 and they're like touring the world, and yeah, I am working in Atlanta. Exactly, and but then at the same time, like the way I rationalize that is like, you know, well. I have a degree from Georgia Tech. I'm a computer scientist. They probably 
can barely use a computer uh, like most people I know. And so, you know, maybe I'm not touring the world singing songs, but at the same time, it's like, I'm a smart guy. I've done a lot. It's just, it's just hard to remember those things that you've done because it's your life, you know, right. you're living it. And yep. it's so much easier to like look at snapshots of other people's lives. Mm -hmm. um, it's mm -hmm. like that that Facebook highlight reel effect. If you've heard, of oh that. Yeah. yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. So yeah, yeah, I found it much easier to like not get caught up in the hype, uh, essentially. So like, yeah, like I said, like my only definition of success now is am I a better person than I was a year ago? And so that lets me not compare myself to others as much. Um, I'm much more like at ease um, being currently unemployed, 25. You know, not feeling like I'm a total like loser, basically. Right. Um, because you know, even though I'm unemployed, like that, I found. I think I found that that's not my path to happiness. Um, I mean, a, a career is a path to happiness, and I would say like most people believe it is, but I don't know. I don't think it's like my path to happiness anymore. Um, I'm still trying to figure it out, but I think I'm sort of like centered on just making people happy and like creating things yeah um like this podcast yeah like, you know it's maybe it's not great or anything but like it's something i made and i can point to it and being like and it's only gonna get better because you know when you create something and you do it a lot you just get better at it like yeah. you have to i think you're you know? practicing yeah. yeah exactly so um just like i i think i just like to create things so um, what are some things that you try and improve yourself like uh or maybe like is there like a weekly goal you have in mind where like i'm gonna be mindful of this or um i used to do this thing where i would try to create a new habit every month uh, an example of this was like a few years back where I, so I grew up like, this might be a little bit gross to some people, but um, <laughs> so I grew up only brushing my teeth once a day. Hey, oh, and get so, those fuzzy slippers, baby. <laughs> yeah. So I don't only like the first thing I do when I wake up is brush my teeth and I've always done that. But then brushing my teeth at night has always been like troublesome for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've heard different ex explanations from different people as to why. I think the, the one that matches me is... I'm just not ready to commit to not eating food for like a few more hours. Like when you brush your teeth, it's like so final. It's like you can't eat anything else. You can't snack or anything, <laughs> right? And the other problem is the mint in the tooth uh, toothpaste, it like sort of like energizes me and keeps me up, right? So I don't want to brush my teeth right before I go to bed because then I'm just going to be awake for like maybe another hour. And I also don't want to like brush my teeth too early because then it's like, oh, I can't eat anything else for the rest of the night. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think that has been my dilemma for the longest time. But then I was like, let me just do this for a month. I'll get used to it, I assume and I hope. And uh, I did. And, uh, you know, I've sort of slacked in the more recent weeks. But the thing I'm doing now is making sure I at least floss every night. Oh, dude, speaking of flossing. So the one thing that started, that truly got me motivated to floss every night is Flossing, starting to floss every night and making that habit uh -huh. is just as hard as quitting smoking is. I think some comedian really? said that. No, it's it's not oh, a okay, scientific okay. fact. Okay. But they, they basically said that's how hard it is. And uh -huh. I was like, I could totally quit smoking. I've never smoked before, but yeah. I, I could totally quit smoking if I wanted to. Like, I'm not like those other people. Mm -hmm. And so I tried flossing every night. And goddamn, that's hard. <laughs> so I... I mean, even still, like I was on, I was on track for like a week yeah. and then I, you know, I hopped off the train and I stopped, stopped, uh, flossing. So it's just like, dude, it really is hard. Like it is. making or breaking any habit is hard. I, I totally agree. And, uh, back in college, I, I was, I was pretty crazy. I feel I, I like, I'm really big into experimentation. And so I thought about from one of my monthly challenges, I'm going to pick up smoking for a month and Woo! just so I can prove that I can like 
break that habit because <laughs> Risky. yeah yeah That's almost like russian roulette yeah and so i i thankfully like you know brought this idea up to my friends and they're like that's really stupid yeah. and i'm like okay i won't do it <laughs> um but i was getting pretty close to doing it because i had like a few friends who smoked and they've had such trouble with it and yeah. i was like mm-hmm. what's the big deal like you just don't do it i mean it's uh, not that easy yeah it's really not that easy and uh the closest thing i have to any sort of addiction is video games um Mm -hmm. like i can literally play for hours and like so like right now i'm at a standing desk and so i'll play for like eight hours straight standing like i don't even sit down god i you know i only walk away to get water use the bathroom maybe once every like six or seven hours like i'm like so into it that i just like block out everything else like even if my body's telling like oh you need Mm -hmm. to eat you need to drink and i imagine that's what other addictions are like like you need to do this to the detriment of other things that you actually should be doing, absolutely right? um do you have any like sort of addiction oh like that? so the video game thing absolutely and the reason so what happened so when i was in college like i didn't even drink till i turned 21 so like yeah, I, me too actually i didn't have whoa no yeah. way so um i mean i was like 20 in barcelona almost 21 close enough yeah close enough um so, <laughs> so my whole deal was like, you know, I just kind of like my, my one source of recreation was like playing video games and stuff. And that's yeah. kind of what all my socialization revolved around. So there's this game Dota 2. I'm sure you've heard of it. I've played so many hours in the Dota 2. Dude and is horrifying. <laughs> so I spent probably after I broke up with my longtime college girlfriend, I probably spent the last two years of college instead of like dating, getting out there and going to parties and like just socializing, you know, just pushing my boundaries a little bit. Yeah. I was playing this game. And then I, one day I kind of, I looked at the the timer on Steam and I'd spent like 1600 hours playing Dota, which oh is just God. ridiculous. I think I'm at a thousand, but that was like a year or something ago. I haven't played. Yeah. Something, but. And so after that, it was a really big wake up call. And I think for most people with an addiction, it's just like, it takes that one thing where they truly put it in perspective. I think, you know, cause I, I play instruments. I've got piano and guitar and uh, I used to play trombone and drums Dude, and all that me stuff. me too. Are we like the same person? <laughs> Holy cow. Well, we just become best friends. <laughs> yep. So um, I put it in perspective. I was like, if I've been playing guitar for 1600 hours or doing anything, if I've been practicing coding right. and it's just kind of like, you know, and throughout my childhood, instead of like learning how to build and create things or just, you know, I played music, but I wasted a lot of my life playing video games and I decided that I just can't do that anymore. So even... Yeah. I might mess around like 30 minutes every once in a while, but I just don't get satisfaction from it anymore because mm-hmm. I I think about all the other stuff I could be doing. So Yeah, I probably would have agreed with you about a year ago, but on an objective level, if I were if I didn't play all those video games, I would have just probably just been watching movies or like TV. So on one hand, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't like the phrase a waste of time anymore, especially because of the different media formats. Mm-hmm. So the most common media formats are, you know, TV, um, movies, video games, and books. And maybe, I guess, internet reading is kind of in the book territory. At this yeah. Point. But most people, you know, they kind of like to wind down and waste time with movies or TV. For me, it's like video games fill that role. And I like video games more because they are an active entertainment Versus a more passive entertainment, you just watching something. Absolutely, yeah. Um, especially, I mean, I guess it kind of depends on what kind of games you play. Like, you know, if you're into story-driven games, stuff like that, um, it's more, it's much more of an analogous um, comparison. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, I've, I've sort of come to terms with video games. It's like, okay, this is time I wouldn't have spent being productive anyway. I'm not gonna beat myself up about it. 
but at the same time I'm like still like trying to cut it down and like yeah. manage it. Yeah. Um, and so like if I play video games for a couple of hours, I don't get to watch TV that night or um, right. you know watch a movie or anything. And I'm okay with that trade off um, because like I said, I enjoy video games so much more than these other forms of passive entertainment. Because I know friends who are movie nuts and TV nuts, and it's just like. How do you have the time to watch all this stuff? And exactly. It's just like, yeah. I guess they have time because they're not playing video games like I am. So yeah. we're like we're doing huge wastes of time, you know, quote unquote. But my hobby just happens to have a bad uh, rap, and yours doesn't. Because, right. Uh, you know, everybody everybody watches uh, the television, but you know, not everybody plays video games, um, which actually is kind of changing. Yeah. Um, which surprisingly, I remember. Growing up, I was like, there's no way girls would ever play video games. Yeah. And I got to college, and, like, some of these chicks grew up playing, like, Mario Kart and Nintendo 64. And it's pretty 50-50, actually. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, that's great, because it's like, hey, we're all just people. We're all just doing the same thing, you know? And another thing I found that really helped is, like, if I do, because, oh, my God, I love Metal Gear. Metal Gear Solid. I actually have never played any of those. So, <laughs> when Metal Gear Solid Five came out, I was like, I <laughs> need to play this. But... What I would do is get another, you know, hour or two of self-improvement in. So, like, okay. the gym is actually turned into a really big way for me to relax because I can put on a podcast and yes, listen. I love podcasts, man. Dude, well, I'm making one. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I'll put on a podcast. Millennial, by the way, you should be I've been watch. listening to that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And um, so, and then I can work out and just kind of, like, detach and, like, relax and stuff. And, you know, mm -hmm. and if I get all of my self-improvement out of the way, then I can give myself an hour or two of video games and I don't feel bad about it. Whereas yeah. if I start playing video games, I'll do it the entire night and then I'll be like, oh, right. I left no time for anything. You kind of have to do it last. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so, I mean, just to sort of like bring it back a little bit before we go on this huge Oh, God, tangent, yeah. <laughs> um, the thing, uh, going to addiction, I guess, um, so it's more relatable than just video games. Uh, whenever I tell, whenever I told some of my smoker friends, like, I have a huge problem with video game addiction, they would sort of just like, scoff at me and just being like that's not the same thing as a substance addiction and i'm going to argue that it kind of is it's very much psychological i mean i i understand that there is a objectively um addictive compound you know nicotine right um, but at the same time i i really believe most of our problems are just like made up um like in our heads basically right yeah um like a lot of my friends you know they have social anxiety and stuff and i i really can't relate to that because it's it's all a mental thing right but I, I just have to take their word on it. It's like social settings are just doing something to your body. Um, that's and, So that's a really... I was talking to um, the girl I'm dating right now, Maddie <laughs> Frank, shout out. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's, it's something I totally agree where uh, anxiety is something that's... It's a totally alien concept to me, social anxiety. Yeah. And it's really hard to relate to. But one thing that I found, and which is why I was so judgmental when I was younger, is just that... I had a very, as much as I like to think I'm an empathetic person, mm -hmm. if I haven't been in a true experience, just totally different from my own, it's just, it's almost like it doesn't exist. Okay. And so that, when I learned about that, um, you know, like, or being depressed or suicidal, like those things are something mm -hmm. I've never had any experience with, but yeah. I, people close to me have really dealt with that. So it's sometimes it's easy to dismiss it, I think, as a, it's all in your mind, mm -hmm. but I, there's also some... I guess, physical components to it as well. Yeah. And uh, it's just a, it's a hard thing if you've never been in those, in that person's shoes. Yeah, definitely. Cause uh, yeah, I've also, I've also had friends in those situations and I haven't really had much experience with depression or suicide either. And so it's very much like a difficult thing for me to empathize with. Cause it's like, I, I don't know what to do because how do I make you feel better? Like I, 
do I just need if, to be here? And you're probably like me with the whole self-improvement thing where you're like, you know, you see yourself as a very disciplined person. And even, yes. if, it, even if it's uncomfortable to you, you push your boundaries and you try and get past it. Yeah, yeah. And so you see people that struggle with things that are seemingly simple to you. And it's like, you know, how how can they struggle with that? And that's that's why it's hard to relate to. Yeah, that's 100% me. It's it's I, I think of myself as very disciplined. And I can, it's, I've always like liked the phrase mind over matter. Like mm-hmm. I very much vibe with that. And it's just like, it's all, I don't know why I'm thinking of this right now, but I remember this episode of recess uh, <laughs> where uh, was it recess? I think it was recess and it's like a very hot day and they're told to just imagine like it's snowing and it's like Arctic cold. And you know, you see uh, one of the kids like doing it and he's just like ends up like shivering and and it's like a hundred degrees outside on the playground and uh, I just remember that, and like I was like, oh yeah, that's it's like that easy. Just like think about it, and it's true basically. I very much do that all the time. If it's like a mildly mildly uncomfortable situation, I just like grit my teeth and power through it. Which also reminds me, like I find it really hard—not really hard, but I find myself complaining occasionally, just so I can fit in with my peers. Because <laughs> I almost never complain, and I think that's very strange, but I do it because like. A lot of my friends will just like, maybe they just complain just to complain, um, but I almost never complain about anything minor at least. Oh man, I'm so bad about complaining. I like, <laughs> I, I like a good gripe every now and then, and I'm yeah. trying to get better about it, because it, it really, it doesn't help anything, and it just kind of makes, exactly. it kind of keeps it negative instead of yeah. reframing it or getting past it. Yeah, my, my uh, I guess, rule for complaining is, if I'm actively working on improving the situation, then I'm allowed to complain. Otherwise, I don't get to say shit. <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah so, like, I agree with that. That's like my my like like thing I have to do. It's like if I'm making the situation better, yes, now I can complain all I want. But if I'm just like standing by or just letting it happen, I don't get to complain. Oh <laughs> man, that makes me think about uh, when you're with some friends and you start suggesting restaurants and where you want to go to dinner. Oh my god. <laughs> so what what used to happen is I would suggest places and we kind of whittle it down, and instead I would say, all right. You get one, you can have one veto and one suggestion. And if you don't suggest, then you can't veto. And so Mm -hmm. I haven't done it recently, but with my group of friends in college, that's all we would ever do because we wouldn't get anywhere because everyone (laughs) has such diverse tastes. So I'd say, listen, you can't, you can't shoot anything down if you're not going to suggest something new. You got to be part of the solution and not the problem. So did that work? Like, yeah, absolutely. We, We went from eating at Choo Choo's every night. In Athens, to going to Vietnamese and going to there's this place called the Grit that was really good. It does like uh, all vegetarian food, so oh, really cool. branched out a little bit. So yeah, I actually grew up vegetarian for 16 years. So. Oh damn! Yeah. So so when you had beef for the first time, must have done a number on you. Oh yeah, I like. I mean, I did only chicken for a while, and even yeah. that was like when I got used to chicken. Then I was like, okay, let me try a burger. And even then, like every new meat I would introduce would. Uh, introduce some sort of like stomach problems until I like had it enough times. Yep. So yeah, but that's a whole thing in itself. <laughs> so speaking of food, another thing that I saw. Food. That- uh, there was a crystal apple. This show was still about adventure time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, they talk about pick that apple and chase your <laughs> dreams. And so I was going to say, what's a dream that you're chasing? But I'd say it's becoming a better person every day. Is there something else that you're looking forward to? Um, so right now, uh, we were speaking a little bit before we started the episode, uh, just job hunting. Um, yep. I, you know, have a potential gig in London, which would be great, which would actually be at, like my first company. I have some old coworkers there who have like, you know, put me into the system and like been rooting for me the entire way. And, uh, you know, shout outs to, to Brian and Siniva. You know, it's been great to just have them like 
sort of rooting me on and getting me there. So if that works out, then uh, I might be in London like within a month or something. Oh, that should be, be wild. insane. Yeah, and uh, it'd be like close to a two-year gig, and so we'll see what happens after that. But you know, one of my one of my biggest benefits right now is I can go to work immediately. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. And like that's something like they need developers apparently really badly. So. Ah. So yeah, that's uh, I guess that's my biggest like my main big career goal right now is to do that. I mean, I'm also interviewing in San Francisco and uh, Vancouver. So if any of those kind of work out, I'll probably end up taking it. Um, nothing against Atlanta, but I've just like been here for so long and like it's all yeah. I know. Yeah. And I, I like to be in like these different uncomfortable situations so I can grow as a person, which I guess goes back to that original goal of wanting to be a better person every year. Yeah. <laughs> so what about you? Oh man. So right now my goal is uh, work-life balance. Oh yeah. And so I, I mean, all my friends know I try see, this goes back to the griping thing too. I try not to talk about work and then I always end up complaining about it anyways. <laughs> just, I work, uh, the hours are just crazy, like 11, 12 hour days, which oh, geez, I mean, I think about too though, like I put it, I try to put it in perspective. I could be a Foxconn like iPhone factory worker, like in China where they they work like 14 hours a day. They have yeah. netting up to keep people from jumping off the building. Oh yeah, I heard about that. So I'm not doing the same thing over and over. I'm making great money. But so I guess I'm just, the next step is one, go further in my information security career because mm -hmm. that's an area I'm really passionate about. And then two, find a work-life balance and live minimally. Yes. So because then that feeds into financial independence yeah. where I can just save a lot of money, keep my expenses down. I don't have debt. So Dude. I'm living. Yeah, I know. We are the same person. Like, <laughs> when I started uh, my first job, I did a, a huge amount of research into finance just because I was like, I guess I need to know this stuff, and it was never taught to me. This, this is like one of those classes that should be taught at like in like high school. Yeah, in high school, like all the freaking time. But mm -hmm. I learned about early retirement and uh, financial independence like super early, and not waiting until you're like sixty. Yep. And that's yep. like I guess always been like the thing in the back of my mind. Like I was like. My goal is by the time I'm 30, I'll have enough money to just do whatever I want and, yeah. uh, you know, quote unquote, retire. But retirement for me just means I don't have to work, but that doesn't necessarily equate to I'm not going to work yep. because yep. Yeah. I'm 30. Like, I'm going to want to do things. Like I said, I like creating things. So I'm going to ha have that luxury of being like my own boss, which is actually like a really hard thing to do. But, you know, you just get to do what you kind of want and not have to like worry about living paycheck to paycheck, which I know so many of uh, my friends and coworkers um, around my age, like they blow their entire paycheck every month. And yeah. it's just like, how did you do that? Like, mm -hmm. and they're always like amazed that I'm like basically saved almost half my paycheck every year. And they're like, just as like uh, blown away by how much I've saved versus how much I've seen them like throw away. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. It's like, it's really funny, I guess. It's just like, you're just always amazed by something that's not you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just different perspectives. And it's, I feel like it's, maybe our generation's a little bit better about it. That might be too too much of a generalization, but. Yeah, I, I can say for sure. At least, maybe I'm surrounding myself with people who are just uh, fiscally conservative. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have a lot of friends who, you know, we all try and save. And I mean, except for this apartment, this apartment's like my only big expense. And even that I'm trying to change. Yeah. But, you know, like having very modest cars, not trying to go get yeah. a house like out in the burbs somewhere that's huge and like useless because you're not going to need all that space. Right. So. Um, yeah. If I could have it my way, I would not even own a car. Like I would just. Oh, my gosh. Way. That's is, when I was in New York. That was the dream. Like, yeah. 
I picked that up from Barcelona because you could walk everywhere. Their metro system's amazing. Yeah. And then uh, when I was in San Francisco for like a month last year, once again, metro system's great. Like uh, you could walk everywhere. Didn't miss my car at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. No car like, insurance. No car insurance. No gas. Yeah. No, no, like doing this dangerous activity that everybody thinks is okay. Dude, like, I cannot wait for automated cars. <laughs> yeah, like everybody's afraid of automated cars, and I'm like, why? There are so many deaths every year from people driving, and here we're basically negating that. Like we're like basically saving like millions of lives every year with automated cars, and people are like. Oh, but I don't get to control it. And it's like, good. Yeah. Have you seen the way people drive? It's terrible. Especially in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. So, like, we wouldn't even have congestion if we had automated cars. Yeah, because they could just optimize. And, yep. like, you know, I, I remember hearing, like, the when they were testing the Google car a couple years back, there were two accidents. Uh, one, because another car bumped into it. <laughs> and two, the person in the car set it to manual so that they could try to control the situation. And so, uh, human error both times, you know? Uh, the car, and it had logged like over a hundred thousands of hours at the time. So. Yeah, I think uh, mm-hmm. at the time it hit a hundred thousand miles okay, of driving. Like that. Yeah. And that was, and they were all, or I guess the two accidents, I think it was up to like five or nine now, but they're all human, Yeah, human intervention. So it's, I guess it's just this fear of technology that we don't have since we work with computers. Um, <laughs> yeah. But like, I guess the average person does have, like, I, I, I am always uh, reminded of the tech bubble. First, when I was leaving Georgia Tech, because I'm like, oh, dang, everybody's not as savvy with computers as uh, I thought they were. And then, because uh, then you enter the workplace and there's so many different people from so many different places, right? And uh a lot of older people too, and they didn't grow up with computers like we did, which is, let me just make a tangent here because we've just been doing tangents all the time. <laughs> I think it's really cool that we are the only generation that grew up with the internet. Yep. So like... So far, we've got we've got some kids that were born after 9-11 and they can speak English. Can you believe that? Well, that's what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> they, they've known only the internet. We grew up like not knowing what the internet was. Oh, and then like, I see. Yeah. And, like in our early childhood, like probably like around eight to twelve, yeah. is when we were like introduced to the internet as a concept, right? And so we ha- we like had an early normal quote unquote childhood, like going outside and like going to your friends' houses and doing things. And the new kids, they don't have that. I mean, I mean, they might go outside still, but you know, they <laughs> they uh, they didn't know like there was a world before the internet, and uh, we do. And you know, our parents and so forth, like they didn't know of a world with the internet. Yeah. And so uh, yeah, I think there's a phrase like uh, the internet was my teacher or something, or my parent or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, referencing like how much the internet has molded and shaped uh, our adolescence into our adulthood. And, like, we're the only generation who's going to have that, which is very interesting, right? Yeah. And, it, I mean, it absolutely was um, teacher and parent because I would I use it. I use Google Foo every day. Yeah. My Google Foo is strong. And just <laughs> to do my job, to learn about uh, how to do a new hobby or put something together or yeah. just I use it for so much. And I can't imagine just, you know, if I had been born 10 years, 20 years earlier mm-hmm. where you have to go to a library and just all the things that I couldn't have been exposed to or the – different perspectives and ways to improve myself. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, I think that honestly was like my escape from my small town upbringing. Yeah. Like, here's the internet, go explore the world, like, for free, basically. Because you mentioned libraries, and that got me thinking. I was like, I would, 
uh, beg my parents to like let me go to the library after school every day <laughs> so we could use their free computers. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, you know, it was mostly to play RuneScape at the time. <laughs> uh, dude, I was about to say, were you playing RuneScape? <laughs> but, you know, along the way, I picked up a few, uh, you know, tidbits of knowledge as well. And, uh, you know, finally we got like our, our first computer and like my first... So we had to share a computer, and I have two younger sisters, and, uh, you know, we'd be fighting for, like, an hour on the computer every time, every day. We had, like, a schedule made out and everything. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I finally got my own laptop because my sister sort of grew out of computers as we got older, but I didn't, um, which is why my major was computer science in college and theirs wasn't. So, yeah, like, and I very much did the same thing you did. I would be learning about literally everything I could, and being able to do for free was, like, such a huge like boon to my life yeah um, yeah and especially in college too just like uh, a lot of people use reddit i use what came before reddit which is a website called something awful um very similar you know people just like making posts and like commenting on them and such and such uh but you had to pay to get in so it's a little bit more moderated you had to pay to get in you had to, oh you had to pay to post sorry oh so most, see, I, I have no experience with that yeah most of the content is free and you can read most of it for free. Um, they have like archives and such, but uh, but it really helps like discussion because only if you get first, if you'd like pay ten bucks to post, right? So you're gonna run out of money really quickly if, if you just want to troll all day. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there are moderators, and you can get like not only like temporarily like banned from posting, but like permanently banned from posting. Like they might even like go as far as to ban your IP. I'm not sure, but. So it makes the quality of posts really high. So there are a lot of really cool threads of like just nerds in their respective fields, like lawyers and doctors and like optometrists and whatever. Like every profession is like kind of represented there. And they're like, they'll run like, ask me what it's like to be, you know, so-and-so. And people will just come in with their questions. It's just super fascinating to read. Or you can just be like, hey, I'm a medical like expert in this field. Like, do you have, uh, you know, questions or like... You know, and then you can just get your questions answered, like, kind of for free. So, yeah, super cool. Like, I was super big in, like, health during college. Like, I learned about, you know, weightlifting and, like, nutrition and all this stuff. And it's, like, stuff I feel like, once again, school should have taught you, but just never did. Um, yeah. And then, then you rely on authority figures in your life, like, your parents and uh, <laughs> just older adults in your life. And they're not that great at it, honestly, unless they're trained in that uh, area, right? Which was like super apparent to me in terms of nutrition, because uh, like the, the the thing that always comes to my my mind is like, are you really taking health advice from like that fat old gym teacher? Like he's a fat old gym teacher. Like if he knew what he was talking about, he wouldn't be fat. <laughs> like so, it's like stuff like that. It's like people like you just you're just trained to accept authority from a young age, right? And uh, you just like take their word, like oh they're smarter than me because they're older than me. Um, but that has been shown time and time again as you get older. That's that's not necessarily true. Um, they might know more in terms of like just general a book, knowledge. Just, but <laughs> it, there's a difference in knowing something and having wisdom. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I, I tend to agree. Like you know, generally the older you are, the wiser you are. But then I know some I know some really dumb like 30, 40 year olds, and then like I know some really smart like you know teenagers mm -hmm. who are like super mature for their age and can speak really eloquently about whatever we're talking about. Right. And so I've I've been uh, less judgmental in that sense, or like trying to make less of a uh, I guess like a first impression type of deal. It's like I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be so quick to judge as you were uh, mentioning. Earlier. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> anything else you want to talk about, man? <laughs> 
Um, I feel like we've been all over the place, dude, but it's been such a good conversation. Yeah. I don't even mind. <laughs> uh, so another thing I noticed was handling conflict, but we already actually touched that earlier. Mm-hmm. And then have you been seduced by womanly charms? Have you ever had a have you ever had womanly charms distract you or get you to do something you normally wouldn't do? Yes, and I see it in a good way. Like so I I grew up pretty much like a nerd. And talking to girls was, like, terrifying to me. Uh, I guess that's where, like, that little bit of, like, social anxiety sort of came from. Like, mm-hmm. I can relate to it in that sense. But if I'm going to go meet some friends, it's, like, I don't get that. But, uh, side point. But, um, but yeah, like, the thing I've sort of come to realize as of late is what I look for in a woman nowadays is, is she a big contrast to my general outlook on life? Oh, will, opposites attract? Kind, yeah, basically. Like, will she make me want to get out of the house? Because I've realized, like, I'm honestly really happy with a room, food, water, and an internet connection. Yeah. <laughs> like, and a bed. Yeah. Like, that's literally kind of all I need to be <laughs> happy. Um, I, and I want to be able to, like, walk to, like, the grocery store and maybe to, like, a bar. <laughs> mm. And, like, that's, like, all I kind of need. Whenever I have a, a girlfriend, you know, I find myself, like, going out a lot more. Like, not even, like, to... the to bars and stuff but just like experiences like like museums or just like walking around parks and stuff like that and that's stuff i like to do but don't remember i like to do it yeah yeah until you're out there yeah and so uh and so like i like that when a when a woman like sort of like puts me in that sort of um space where she's like sort of challenging me to like move a little bit outside my comfort zone because i think the best relationships are not the ones where you accept the other person in their entirety but the ones where you're like pushing each other to grow and you know, once again, grow, it's like the common theme to grow into better people like every day. So you can take that criticism and you can be better, you know, as you grow together. Um, yeah. Instead of just being like, oh, he just does that because he's like that way. I think that's such a cop out. I agree. Or, and like, and then you just grow to resent that person. And it's like, why wouldn't you want to be like the best version of yourself? Not only for yourself, but like for the person you love. So what about you? I have a very interesting story that came to mind. Okay. So speaking of womanly charms, I'm not going to use any names because, I mean, they probably wouldn't listen to this anyways, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure anyone who knew me freshman year knows exactly who I'm talking about. But Just call, uh, uh, call him Jane. <laughs> Jane. Yeah, so yeah. Um, there was this girl, Jane, who came from the same town as me, mm-hmm. very attractive. Mm-hmm. Every like She was that, just one of those girls where like, she was like a little little on the nerdy side too so it was just like she was at the top of the social pyramid as it comes to like that yeah that society i guess society this is a freshman year of college freshman year okay, of college okay. yeah she she would just have these guys that were just like i think the term would be orbiters where like they're all in love with her and so she would kind of like drag them in you know a little bit like kind of like not even flirt with them and just kind of give them a lot of attention mm-hmm. and build that relationship and then just kind of ignore them okay <clears throat> and so I saw the same thing happening to me and I was like, oh my God, this girl's so cute and she's into like the same kind of stuff that I am. Yeah. And then I realized the same thing was happening to me. Like I looked around, I saw my future standing around me when we were like hanging out in her, um, in her dorm room one time. I was like, oh my gosh, like this dude is me a year from now where he's going to do whatever she wants him to do. Mm -hmm. Like, um, like one of those wake up calls for you, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, like pay for stuff sometimes, even though they aren't dating, nothing's going on. Just like, That sort of thing. And so uh, I just kind of was like, you know what? If this isn't going anywhere, then I'm just going to stop hanging out with her. Yeah. And that was really upsetting for her because I don't think she'd ever had someone <laughs> say no before. Right. Uh, in that way. And I remember hearing through friends later, they were like, 
dude, she's, she's like, she wants to know what the heck happened. And I was just kind of like, you know, it wasn't turning into anything. Um, cause she was like super cute. I obviously was not at the time. I had a giant red Afro and just like <laughs> super skinny, awkward dude. And so I, you know, I recognized about myself and I was like, you know, I just got to move on. Yeah. So. That's good, man. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. Cause I think you made the right move in, uh, not even just like romantic relationships, but like almost every relationship in your life. If it's not mutually beneficial to some degree, I don't think it's worth keeping. It doesn't have to be an equal benefit to both parties, but there should be like something positive that you gain out of the relationship you have with pretty much everybody. Right? Yeah. Cause then otherwise you're just kind of like dead weight and it's like, what are you kind of doing? Like, I think that's like a, a real waste of time there. And maybe it's a little yeah. insensitive to some <laughs> people, but it goes back to that growth mindset. It's like, Hey, like, you know, you help me a little bit and I'll help you a little bit. And we're both better people. Like that's great. I think, yep. but, you know, if it's just me imparting my advice and my wisdom to you and you're constantly making the same mistakes and you don't ever listen to me, but you keep coming back to me with your problems, uh, I'm going to start ignoring you and cutting you off until you get the message. And um, we made it full circle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, man. Yeah, I guess let's wrap it up there. This has been such a great conversation. I agree. Even though uh, we, we started off at Winter Time and we didn't really touch it after like 20 minutes. <laughs> but wow, uh, this has been fantastic, man. I agree. It's great talking to you and uh, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's exciting. So I hope you guys enjoyed it as well and uh, have a good one. I think my batteries are wet. Goodbye. Once again, a huge thanks to Sam for such a fantastic conversation. It's honestly one of the best conversations I've had in a while, and not just for this podcast. I'd love to hear what you thought about our discussion. Did you agree or disagree with any of our opinions on the topics that we brought up? Did you think this format was better or worse than the previous episodes? Let me know on the Facebook page, on Twitter, on SoundCloud, or even good old-fashioned email, and those will be in the show notes. Next time, we'll cover episode 5, The Enchiridion. I hope you like what you heard, and if not, then... Eh, so what? Let's go play! Yeah, weirdo. I wanna play sports. Come on, let's go.